Merry Christmas, everyone. Uh, you're not in the mood yet. Let's try that again. Merry Christmas. Ah, oh, sounds so much better. We need to hear that all the time. There's so much that we hear in our world today that's discouraging, isn't there? You watch the news, you read newspapers, a lot of bad news. This morning, uh, they're reporting that in North Carolina, the remains of a little three-year-old girl have been found and her mother's boyfriend has been arrested. We, we hear stories like that way too often, just a lot of uh, bad news. This past Wednesday evening in my uh, Equipping You class, I was mentioning something. You've, you've heard me say this from the pulpit before, that uh, a lot of us would be happier if we watched less politics and news all the time and just spent more time with Scripture and so on. And I happened to mention that again uh, Wednesday night, and one of, the, one of the men in my class, Grady Baggett, responded that uh, a few months ago when I said that, he took me up on it, and he stopped watching the news in the morning first thing. And talked about how his days have just gone better ever since then. And he's, you know, just feels better and is happier. Uh, because if you, if you watch that stuff all the time and you listen to that stuff all the time, you read that stuff all the time, it begins to have an effect on you. It's discouraging and, 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 uh, and it creates all kinds of emotions, anger and everything else. I mean, just think about everything going on in our world, all the political corruption. I mean, it, if you, if you find someone who cares about us, it seems like an oddity anymore, right? Uh, and, and the news media, all the corruption there and the dishonesty and all the powerful people in recent weeks who've lost their careers and reputations because of uh, sexual immorality and sexual harassment, uh, the abuse of, of, of women. You know, Matt Lauer on NBC's morning show. You know, always all these years presented himself as a family man. Turns out he's a jerk. He's a creep. Is that too hard to say? You have North Korea. They've got one of, they've got one of those guys who's even worse. He's, he's their president and wants to blow up the world. Iran and nuclear weapons, mass shootings every time you turn around, terrorists killing people. Man, it's, 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 the world's got a lot of bad in it. And it's, it's discouraging when you hear all that. Can, can I show you, can I, can I just point out to you what our world really needs? Can I, can I just point it out to you in one picture? This is what the world needs today. Look at this, look at this picture on the screen. Isn't that what the world needs? Huh? By the way, I spent part of yesterday putting that together in our front lawn. Because I want everybody who drives by our house to know that's what Christmas that's what Christmas is about. That's, that's the good news that our world desperately needs. Do you remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds the evening of, of Jesus' birth? In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you what? <laughs> our world needs good news. I bring you good news of great joy. And it's for whom? All people. This, this good news is, is for everyone, is available to everyone. And the interesting thing is in the, in the Greek language from which this is translated, the I bring you good news is all one word. It's someone who carries with them glad tidings, a good message, a good story, good news. And so the angel is saying, I'm coming to you, shepherds, and bringing with me a good story, some good news, some stuff that you'll be glad to hear and, and know. 
In the New Testament, the story of Jesus is called good news. We, we have that word gospel. It means good news. It comes from a couple of Greek words, euangelion, which occurs 76 times in the New Testament, which means good news or euangelizo, which means the person who brings, someone who brings with them and announces, proclaims, declares something good, something that the audience is going to be excited to hear. Originally, those words referred to a messenger who carried word back to the home, back to the to the city, if you will, that the army, their army had been victorious in battle. It was, it was a messenger who could come to an individual or to a family and announce something good like the birth of a child or, or uh, some blessing or, or some political event that everybody would be excited to hear about. It actually comes from the word for messenger. That's the root of it. So it's a messenger, and, and when that messenger shows up and that messenger speaks, he's talking about something good, something positive, something exciting. Again, that's what the angels did with the shepherds that night. And today, every time in your Gospels, okay, every time in the New Testament, you read the word gospel, okay, every time you come across that, that English word gospel, it's one of those two words or some derivative of those two words. The good news, that's what the gospel is. It, it, it's, it, it's an old English word that comes from a Latin word that's, that means good and speak or good and tell or good in story, so it's a good story. That's what gospel means. It's, and so it's our English translations today of those Greek words that mean <clears throat> good news. So you can, every time you read gospel in the, in, in the New Testament, you could just accurately substitute good news the gospel of jesus christ the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of god it's the good news of the kingdom it's the good news of jesus christ it's the good news of god everybody needs that it's not just the world that needs it the people in your neighborhood need it the people that uh, you go to ball games with need it the people you bumped into at Christmasville this week need it. The people you work with, they need it. Your children and your grandchildren need it. Your friends need it. Your club members need it. Everybody needs that in individually, just like uh, we had this one young person baptized this morning. Uh, at the next service, we're going to have uh, a teenager baptized. They, they needed that news that, that Jesus loves them. And that he'll forgive them and save them and change them and give them a home in heaven. Every, every human being, every person you know needs that good news, even if they don't know they need it. So there's people all around us who don't realize they need this good news of Christmas, this good news of Jesus, this gospel. In 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says something very important. It says, and even if our gospel, this good news is veiled, is, is, is covered over. It's like you throw a blanket over it and you hide it. Now sometimes, sometimes you and I do that. You say, preacher, when, when do I throw a blanket over the gospel so that people can't see it and can't hear it? It's, it's every time we keep our mouth closed when we need to say something about Jesus. 
It's every time God prompts us to invite someone to church and we don't act on it. It's every time a new person moves into our neighborhood and we're not intentional about praying for them and going over and introducing ourselves to them and inviting them to church. We're throwing a a blanket over the gospel. We're veiling it. We're hiding it. What this passage says very specifically is when the gospel is veiled, is hidden, it is veiled or hidden to those who are perishing, those who are lost, those who are going to go to hell. Notice this. Here, and here's the reason so many people don't know they need this good news. It says the God of this world. Who's the God of this world? Notice it's a little g. It's Satan. The evil one. What has he done? He's blinded the minds, not just the eyes, but the minds. Do do you understand that Satan is at work giving people reasons to not believe? Blinding their minds, the minds of the unbelieving, why? So that they might not see the light of the gospel he, he doesn't want them to, to see the gospel, to hear the gospel, this good news. And that's why when you and I throw the veil over it by our silence, by our inactivity, without meaning to, we are working in cooperation with Satan every time we do that. Because that's what he's always doing. And so not only talking to people matters, but praying for lost people matters because there's a spiritual battle going on, and we need to pray that just as Satan is blinding them, the Holy Spirit is enlightening them. We, We need to pray that the Holy Spirit makes the gospel visible and understandable to them. We need to pray that the Holy Spirit penetrates the darkness that fills them so they can sense the presence of God and the goodness of God and their need for Him. When you hear me say so many times that we need to pray for people who are lost as much as we pray for people who need jobs and people who need physical healing, I'm not trying to be uncaring. I'm trying to be realistic with what the Word of God says about the reality of the humanity that lives in this world. It's spiritual war out there, and they need us. They need our prayers. They need our love. They need our service. They need our voices. They need our witness. They need our kindness. They need our invitations, even if they don't know it. Why, brothers and sisters, was Jesus born? Huh? To bring good news to the world. Why, brothers and sisters, does Jesus have a church? to take that good news to the world. Why, brothers and sisters, do we so often not do that? The gospel, this good news was important to Jesus. We're going to come to Acts 8 in just a moment. Let me show you a few more verses on the screen. Matthew 4, 23, Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming what? The gospel, the good news. Mark 1, verse 14, now after John, this is John the Baptist, had been taken into custody after he was arrested and later would be executed, Jesus came into Galilee preaching what? 
And, and those are just two verses. There are many verses in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that talk about Jesus doing this very thing. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus takes the 12 disciples, divides them into groups of two, and he sends them out on a preaching mission. And in verse 6 of Luke 9, it says, Departing, these 12 in groups of two, they began going throughout the villages preaching what? The gospel, the good news. Jesus, following his crucifixion and resurrection, ascended to, the, to, to heaven. He went back to the Father. And the last thing he, he, he told us to do, Mark 16, 15, describes it this way. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach what? The gospel. During Jesus' teaching ministry in Mark 13, 10, he said the gospel must first be preached to all creation, to all the nations, every race. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And it seems that quite often those of us who are religious and conservative and go to church and believe the Bible talk to people about everything except the gospel. We talk about sports. We talk about politics without talking about the gospel. Sports is not going to save anybody's soul. Politics is not going to get anybody to heaven. But the good news of Jesus Christ can and will. Let's start talking about that. There's a reason we, we're involved in world missions. We, we have partnerships in different places. There's a reason we support our Southern Baptist missionaries. There's, there's a reason we give you literature, and I, I hope you'll read it and learn and pray, and, and, and we have this world mission offering. I, I pray you'll be generous in giving to missions. That's what Jesus told us to do. Moniz and I have been um, updating our estate plan and it's always been true and it will continue to be true that when we go in addition to our kids getting something this church will get something we've always believed it'd be a mistake to give our kids everything at one time so our kids if i'm 90 when i die they're not getting it all at one time because y'all do know that your kids will spend all of it in about six months on average Huh? So my kids are not getting everything at one time. They're going to get so much, so much, and the church gets so much. And the rest of it goes into a trust. And I won't bore you with all the details, and that's paid out to them and the grandkids over a number of years, at the end of which that trust then is given to the church and to the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Because I'm, we believe in giving while we're alive, we're going to do the same thing when we're dead. <laughs> because the kingdom of God takes precedence. Preach the gospel. And that's one way I can do it after I'm in glory. And if Jesus comes back before the IMB and this church spends it all, well, praise God, it's good. Do you get my point? Preach the gospel. It's, it's, th this gospel was important to the, to the early Christians, to the first followers of Christ. You, got, you have your Bibles? I... I I intentionally just put the reference and not the, um, the words because I want you to look in your Bible or your smartphone or your tablet or whatever you're using in Acts chapter 8. I want you to see how important the gospel was to the early church and to the first Christians, the first believers. And In Acts chapter 8, persecution had 
taken place in Jerusalem and Christians were, were spread. Do you know that sometimes God uses bad things to grow the kingdom, to, to spread the gospel? And so these Christians left Jerusalem, went different places, and started talking about Jesus. And there was a big evangelistic crusade revival broke out in Samaria. And Peter and John leave Jerusalem, go down to Samaria to check it out. And, and, and they see all that God's doing. And they say, wow, this is incredible. And they give praise to God. And, and after that, they were so uh, energized themselves that in chapter 8, verse, verse 25, so when they had solemnly testified and spoken the word to the Lord, when they encouraged the believers there in, in, in Samaria, they started back to Jerusalem were preaching what? The gospel to many villages of the Samaritans as, as they made their way back. They just started sharing the good news of Jesus to all the Samaritans. And the reason that's a big deal is the Samaritans were those people you don't hang out with. The Samaritans was, was, was that racial mix that you just don't do any you just don't associate with but see the thing is god just loves people <laughs> and when god's people are filled with the love of god guess what they just love people And so God said, I'll show you, all of you all hunkered down here in Jerusalem. I'm, I'm going to spread you out and make you mingle with those people you don't want to mingle with. See, sometimes, sometimes God has to get us out of our comfort zone so that we can do the will of God. And so they were preaching the gospel. Later on in, in, in chapter 8, a believer named Philip, after he um, shared the gospel with and baptized uh, an Ethiopian, by the way, from Africa, after that, he, he was in another city, and in verse 40, the last verse of chapter 8, Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he kept preaching what? the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea, a city over on the, uh, on the coast of the Mediterranean. Now, in chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas become the first great missionary team of the church. And in chapter 14, during their first missionary journey, the Bible says in verse 7 of Acts 14, and they continued to preach the gospel, the good news. The very next book in your Bible is the book of Romans that Paul wrote to the church in the city of Rome, the capital of the world, if you will, the Roman Empire. God had already raised up a group of believers there before Paul or Peter ever showed up in that city. There was already a church. In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes that's why I said a moment ago people are not going to get saved because of some sports team nobody's going to get saved because of some political movement people are going to get saved because they believe in the gospel the good news the story the person of Jesus Christ and Paul says I'm not ashamed of that message because I know it's the power of God that can change lives not ashamed of it. Are you, are you, 
Are you sharing the gospel? Are, are you sharing the good news of Jesus? Those of you who get so enthusiastic talking to people about politics, are you sharing the gospel? Those of you like me who love sports, go cats. Love sports. Are you sharing? Are you sharing the gospel? By the way, congratulations to South Point. Four years in a row, state champs, football. Are you sharing the gospel? It's Christmas. All these beautiful decorations. Do you know that research tells us most people will come to church with you at Christmas if you do two things? Not everyone, but the majority of people. The majority of people who do not go to church will come to church with you at Christmas if you do two things. Not one, two things. First, you have to invite them. But that's not enough. Number one, invite them. Second thing, walk in the door with them. You have to meet them, bring them, walk in with them because it's new to them. Do you, do you understand how much courage, how much bravery it takes for someone who's lost that hasn't been to church much in their life to walk in the doors of a church where they know they, they, they just don't feel worthy and they don't, know, they don't understand what we do here. They don't know, they don't, they, they don't know what it's like. They, they, see, your family, this, this is like you going back to, to Granny's house and you know, you're, you're home. You, you just walk in and go right to the kitchen and open the fridge. This is home. It's, we're family. But, but lost people, this is not home. It's not family. They're not going to walk in the door by themselves. They're, they're not going to go to the fridge and open and get out and, you know, some leftovers. They need you to walk in with them. Invite them. And, 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 and they, they tell us, and they've been telling us this for years, that if you'll invite them and if you'll come with me, I'll come with you. So many opportunities. And, and, and by the way, do you know that Christmas is the time they're most likely to come? Did you know that? Over every other season of the year, including Easter, more likely to come to church at Christmas time than any other season of the year. Are you sharing the gospel? Are you inviting people? So many opportunities, Christmas Eve service, Sunday morning services. This Thursday night, Travis Cottrell leading us in worship, a music program, a great opportunity that, that you can be proud of. High quality to invite someone from the community. Are, are you doing it? Who, who, who can you invite? Who can you share the good news, the gospel with? What do you think it is that keeps us from doing that? Hmm? Can I suggest a couple of things? And I've been right, right there with most of you on these at times. One is fear. You know, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let's be honest, sometimes we are. 
fear. We need to pray for the Holy Spirit to give us boldness. I've said it before. I'll say it again. People who know you you go to church are more surprised when you never say anything to them than they are when you finally say something to them. Something else that keeps us from sharing the gospel and inviting people to church, and not only fear, but a second, second reason is distractions. Life's busy. We're busy. How many parties you have, have this, this month to go to? Huh? How many parties you got? Hmm? How, how, how much time are you spending shopping, either going to stores or surfing the web? I have to admit, I like, I like the convenience of Amazon. <laughs> I do. Life's busy. We lose our focus. <clears throat> we, we get passionate about, we, we, we get distracted by other passions. We, we, we get distracted by the ball games. We get distracted by politics. We get distracted by whatever cause has captured our imagination. And so on the back burner, in the back of our mind, is the real reason Jesus was born. And we never talk about it because it's stuck way back there somewhere as all this other stuff monopolizes the front of our mind. get distracted and when you put fear and distraction together it's deadly but one of the beautiful things about the gospel about about the new testament teaching is this is that you and i are to be willing listen brothers and sisters we are to be willing to make sacrifices for the sake of the gospel in mark chapter 8 verse 35 jesus said whoever wishes to save his life will what So he says, if you want to stay in control, you you want to be the master of your own destiny, you want to do whatever you want to do, whatever you feel is right, you want to be your own boss, your own man, your own woman, you want to save and hold on to and control everything in your life, he said, ultimately what will happen is just the opposite, you will lose. Because that's not how you follow me, he's saying. Then he adds, whoever loses, empties, lets go, takes his hands off, stops trying to control it, says, all right, Jesus, it's yours. Whoever surrenders, whoever loses his life for my sake and what? The gospels, this good news. That's the person who ultimately is going to find that he saved his life. And those of us who say we're followers of Jesus need to really think deep about Jesus' words. I shared with you back in October when I preached the first sermon in this in the series on, on the Reformation. I told you a little bit about John Wycliffe. prominent scholar in England 100 years before Martin Luther and the Reformation who translated the entire Bible into English, handwritten copies, no printing press yet, and how he was condemned to be executed and his Bible's copies were burned and 
he died before they could execute him. And 40 years later, they dug up, dug up his bones and burned them and threw the ashes into a river. He, he paid a price just for saying, I, I think people should have this so they can, they can read the good news. They can know the good news. Martin Luther, during the Protestant Reformation, translated the Bible into German. His, his, his German translation of the Bible became really the foundation for the modern German language. Do you know when and what he was doing when he translated the Bible into German so that his people could have this good news in their own language for themselves? He was hidden away for his own safety because the Roman the Holy Roman Emperor was was trying to execute him. He was hidden away in the tower of a castle for protection. And, and in that moment, in that, in that experience, he translated God's word into their language because he wanted the people to have the good news. Jesus said, if you're willing to lose your life for my sake and for the gospel's sake, you find it. You save it. Spend $10 and buy a ticket and bring somebody lost to the Travis Cottrell event Thursday night. When your Sunday school class has a Christmas party, invite somebody who's lost to come with you to your Christmas party so they can hang out with us and find out we're, we're nice people. Those are minor sacrifices, aren't they? For the sake of Jesus and the sake of the gospel. Are you willing to make them? See, Jesus walked village to village sharing the gospel. Will you walk to your neighbor's house? The early Christians traveled to other countries sharing the gospel. Will you talk to a co-worker or a classmate? People desperately need this good news. Are you going to keep it to yourself? People tell us they'll come to church at Christmas if we invite them and bring them with us. Are you willing to do that? This world needs some good news. And it's Jesus. It's his story. It's his love. It's his salvation. It's his kindness that our world needs, that the individuals we know need. Let's stand.